to the Indian Creek Baptist Church podcast. Thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. Our website is www.indiancreekbaptistchurch.org or our email address is info at indiancreekbaptistchurch.org. It is our sincere hope that through this podcast, God will speak to your heart and touch your life so that you may grow closer to him. All right. Welcome back. We are going to be back in Esther today as we look at our morning series of Lessons in Obedience. Esther chapter 7 is where we're going to pick up. Over the last several weeks in the book of Esther, we have been seeing God work and God move. And uh, this is one of the examples, Esther chapter, the book of Esther is one of the examples that uh, Brother Bosler brought up about the veneer, the very surface uh, surface way that some people serve the Lord that's not very deep. Uh, and we've kind of seen that as we've seen Mordecai and Esther go through and uh, live their life. Last week we talked about, or we saw, uh, that Haman had gone in and was going to ask the king if he could hang Mordecai on the gallows that he had built. And we saw God's sense of humor, God's sense of justice, as he had been up all night studying, listening to the people read the history of his people. And he had found out that Mordecai had done this great deed in saving his life and wanted to bless him because Mordecai had defended him. And as Haman is brought in before the king, Uh, the king asks him what should be done to the man that the king seeks to honor. And Haman, again, in his pride and arrogance, he thought no one else could be honored above him. So he laid out basically that for a brief moment that the person that the king wanted to honor would be as the king, would ride on the king's horse would wear the king's garments even the crown royal and be paraded through the city and we see God's sense of humor and sense of justice as he sends Haman to do this for Mordecai and we know that Mordecai left dejected down and hurting and that when he returned home his wife uh, prophesied that he would not uh, survive if Mordecai was of the Jews because now the tide had turned And when we left off, Haman was being escorted to the banquet of wine with Queen Esther. So we pick up in chapter 7. The Bible says, So the king and Haman came to banquet with Esther the queen. And the king said again unto Esther on the second day at the banquet of wine, What is thy petition, Queen Esther? And it shall be granted thee. And what is thy request? And it shall be performed even to the half of the kingdom. Then Esther the queen answered and said, If I have found favor in thy sight, O king, and if it please the king, let my life be given me at my petition, and my people at my request. For we are sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, to be slain, and to perish. But if we had been sold for bondmen and bondwomen, I had held my tongue, although the enemy could not countervail the king's damage. Then the king Ahasuerus answered and said unto Esther the queen, Who is he, and where is he that durst presume in his heart to do so? And Esther said, The adversary and enemy is this wicked Haman. Then Haman was afraid before the king and the queen. 
And the king, arising from the banquet of wine and his wrath, went into the palace garden, and Haman stood up to make request for his life to Esther the queen, for he saw that there was evil determined against him by the king. Then the king returned out of the palace garden into the place of the banquet of wine, and Haman was fallen upon the bed whereon Esther was. Then said the king, Will he force the queen also before me in the house? As the word went out of the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. And Harbona, one of the chamberlains, said before the king, Behold also the gallows, fifty cubits high, which Haman had made for Mordecai, who had spoken good for the king, standeth in the house of Haman. Then the king said, Hang him thereon. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then was the king's wrath pacified. Father God, we love you. Again, we thank you so much for your truth, for your wisdom. Lord, for your love and your grace and your mercy. Lord, at a time when Israel really was not seeking you, you raised Esther up to be queen. You put her in this position for such a time as this. And now you are going to use her to save her people. Lord, you've already done so much for us, but knowing that you are still right there, moving, even when we don't realize, even when we don't see, and that your timing is always perfect. Lord, this couldn't have been planned any better. Lord, help us to see this truth today. Help us to take this truth to heart. Help it to change us. To encourage us to serve you, to love you, and to walk with you. So God, please guide us and direct us today. We ask these things in the name of your precious Holy Son, Jesus. Amen. As we look through this, we understand that there's a lot. Haman has been plotting for so long to kill the Jews, to kill Mordecai. We now begin to understand that there was a purpose and a plan. While it's not exactly what God wanted, God used the fact that Esther and Mordecai had hidden their nationality. God had moved and placed Esther in the spot of being the queen. God loved his people and knowing what was to come, had played a masterful chess game. Now please, don't misunderstand me. God is not a chess master. God is not playing games. God has a perfect purpose and will. It's up to us to seek that. But God put all of the things in order to come to this very moment of deliverance for the Jews. We also need to understand that this is just the beginning. That there is still far more that has to be done before the Jews are fully delivered. But we saw last week that Haman took Mordecai out and dressed him in royal apparel, placed the royal crown on his head and riding the king's horse, proclaiming, Thus shall it be done unto the man whom the king delighteth to honor. This was such a perfect example of Matthew 23. 
Matthew 23, and verse number 12. A truth that we all need to take to heart and one that we were able to see play out yesterday. Matthew 23 and chapter 12, it says, And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. We laugh and joke about Wyatt's issue with the second book in the New Testament being Exodus. The funny thing was not that he was wrong. The funny thing is the, the authority, the, the t determination that he said it with. Someone who knew he absolutely had the right answer but couldn't be farther from the truth. Luke 14 repeats this same sentiment, sentiment in Luke 14 in chapter 11. Again, the Bible says, For whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humble himself shall be exalted. Luke chapter 18. Chapter 18 and verse 14 says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humble himself shall be exalted. In this story, in Luke chapter 18, we have Christ speaking of the Pharisee and the, the public and going into the temple and the Pharisee standing and proclaiming how good he was as he's praying, he's repeating to God just how good he is, all the things that he does for God. He fasts twice in the week. He does all of these great things. But the publican, standing afar off, can't even lift his eyes but seeks in humility God's forgiveness. Haman has done this very thing. He's gone and told his family and friends. He's built the gallows that can be seen from the palace, exalting himself even to the level of the king. And now it's about to fall on his head. Mordecai has been lifted up He didn't choose fanfare. He didn't even give the report of what was going on with the king's chamberlains to the king himself. He went to Esther. <clears throat> it's Esther who told the king and made sure that they knew that it was Mordecai who had found out the plan. Mordecai didn't go to the king and seek favor. He just continued The old saying has always been, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. In Haman's mind, he was pretty big. And he's got a long way to fall. I wonder what his thoughts were at the point as he's plotting, as he's going in and being brought in verse 1, brought before the queen. I wonder if he is... He's left 
thinking about what has just happened? Is he plotting another way to get Mordecai? Is he plotting another way to... He knows that the Jews are going to be destroyed. Is he still trying to exalt himself? Trying to pump himself up knowing that he is again going to meet the queen? We don't know. We do know that he doesn't have long to wait. As immediately when the king and Haman enter in, the king again asks, knowing and understanding that there's something tearing at the queen's heart. He asks her, what is thy petition, Queen Esther? And it shall be granted thee. And what is thy request? And it shall be performed even to the half of the kingdom. This is the third time he's asked that. And as we looked at Esther last week and a couple of weeks ago, beating around the bush, not coming right out and saying it from the very beginning, we understand that while this maybe is not how we would have handled things, God is using it. I wonder if perhaps now is... The king is asking this question again if Queen Esther has not heard about about Mordecai being paraded around the city the day before. She had to have known. She had to have known that the king had honored Mordecai the day before. I doubt that she knew that the king had been up all night, or not the day before, but earlier that day. I doubt that she knew that the king had been up all night the night before searching the history and found all of this out, but she knew that Mordecai was being lifted up. I wonder if this emboldened her. If this was the last piece of the puzzle that it took for her to finally just come out and say, I want my life. For many of us, we often are afraid. We often are reluctant. We often make excuses to not share the gospel, to not be bold, to not proclaim the truth. Something that touched me yesterday as I was listening to Brother Bosler preach, was that he just called the sin, sin. It's unfortunate, but so many pulpits today aren't preaching about sin. They're not preaching about disobeying God. They're preaching about how to live your best life, how to get the most. They're turning people into Haman. Yesterday afternoon, Brother Bosler talked about the veneer. And as I look at this pulpit, I can see evidence that this nice wood grain is a veneer. It's a very thin sheet that's over uh, of a, a decent looking wood. I believe it's oak. But it's laid over and glued on top of a much cheaper wood. It looks good on the outside. This one not so much. It needs to be finished. 
But if you do much digging, you're going to find it's not great. As I've worked with Brother Jesse this last bit, I've seen so many cars come in that just look great. They look clean. And then you go to lift them up on the hoist and they disintegrate. I don't know how many times I've had to stop and rethink because the points, the lift points that should be solid are just falling apart with rust. The metal is decayed. There's nothing there. I spent a, a couple of days this last week working on the the um, alignment rack, and it looks a lot like this pulpit. Looks like it's been used. There were some pieces that weren't quite working right. To most people, it looked normal. But when you took that plate off and looked underneath, you saw that a lot of the bearings that are supposed to be have that plate move are broken or missing. That there's rust that's just eaten away the metal underneath. The springs that are to hold those discs that hold the bearings in place are disintegrated and gone. There's dirt and grime caked in to where nothing could move. Our lives are really not any different. Esther and Mordecai up to this point have really not been much different. We know the first part of the book that Mordecai commanded Esther not to reveal herself, not to reveal that she was a Jew. That he himself hid the fact that he was a Jew up to the point of having to bow down to Haman and then he finally reveals, I'm not going to do that, I'm a Jew. A situation that just smacks of being a show, of being a veneer. But then their lives are threatened and they begin to get serious. Haman and, or sorry, Mordecai and Esther take the Jews that are in Shushan the palace and they fast. Esther puts her life on the line and she goes out and she seeks the king when she's not invited. And God blesses. And now finally she's gotten that last piece of the puzzle that's changed her faith from just being a veneer to being solid. And she makes her heart known to the king. Then the queen Esther answered and said, If I have found favor in thy sight, O king, and if it please the king, let my life be given me and my petition and my people at my request. For we are sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, to be slain, and to perish. 
But if we had been sold for bondmen and bondwomen, I had held my tongue, although the enemy could not countervail the king's damage. She was already in bondage. Israel was not there voluntarily. Israel was there because they were captive. But this got the king's attention. Not only had God been working in Esther and Mordecai, God had been working on the king. If you thought the king was angry at his two chamberlains for plotting to kill him, I can't imagine how angry he is that someone's plotting to kill his queen. I can imagine he felt a brief moment of relief as she finally explains the thing that she's been holding back. The thing that has caused her to sacrifice her own life. But how quickly that turned to anger. I can't imagine the thoughts at this point going through Haman's mind as he finds out that the queen is a Jew also. If Haman thought that his day was going bad before now, it's gone off the rails. Haman has every right to be afraid and the king is beyond angry and has to take a walk to process this revelation. Haman takes this opportunity to spring into action and begin to plead and beg for his life before the queen. And that only makes things worse. Just as he was rushed away to meet the queen, he is now escorted out with a hood over his head to be hanged on the very gallows he had built for Mordecai. Proverbs 26. Proverbs 26 and verse number 27. It says, Whoso diggeth a pit shall fall therein, and he that rolleth the stone it will return upon him. Proverbs 28 verse 10. Whoso causeth the righteous to go astray in an evil way, he shall fall himself into his own pit. But the upright shall have good things in possession. How about Ecclesiastes? Ecclesiastes 10. Verse number 8. He that diggeth a pit shall fall into it, and he and whoso breaketh a hedge, a serpent shall bite him. These are wise words from Solomon, one of the wisest, the wisest king to ever live. Mordecai or Haman has spent his time digging this pit, plotting to kill the Jews. And now he is 
reaping the benefits. But now that Haman is out of the picture, the danger is not over. Haman had sent letters into every province of the kingdom to have the Jews killed on one specific day. These were written and sealed with the king's ring, and this law could not be changed. It's quite possible that the situation is still too late. We know, we've read the rest of the book, God is not going to let his people be dealt with in this way. God is going to provide a way. And I don't know all the numbers, but I know there are a great deal, a great many of those in King Ahasuerus' kingdom that are killed trying to kill the Jews. I don't know if it was even to half the kingdom, but it would make sense. But all of this, all of this should be a warning to us. We can't just have a superficial walk with the Lord. We have to be bold. If Esther and Mordecai had not finally gotten fully involved with the Lord, the Jews would have had no recourse to defend themselves. As we continue next week in the book of Judges and we look at Samson's life, we see a man who is only partially given to that Nazarite vow. Really, the only thing that he clings to is the outward appearance of not cutting his hair. If we want to see this town changed, if we want to see our families come to know the Lord, we want to see this country turned around in this next election. We have to get serious. We know the end of the story. God has given us that. We know that the devil is going to be cast into the lake of fire. That he's going to be defeated. That those that love the Lord are going to spend eternity with him in a new heaven and a new Jerusalem. And those that are not saved are going to spend eternity with the devil in the lake of fire. Completely separated from God. We can either... Just rejoice in the fact that we've made it. We've got our fire insurance. Or we can get serious about bringing as many with us as we can. Esther and Mordecai could stop right here. They could stop right here and be saved. 
The king would not let anything happen to his queen. He would defend her. But they're not going to be content with just their lives. Let's work today to not just have a superficial Christianity. Let's work today to serve the Lord completely with our whole heart, our whole mind, and our whole body. Exodus 20. Exodus 20 and verse number 3. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them, for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children under the third and fourth generation of them that, are, that hate me, and showing mercy unto, those, unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Is he the Lord your God? Then let's make sure we treat him like it.